much a gladder in his hands. Amen. We don't belong to the enemy. Amen. We, we belong to God and we're his children today. We're in his hands. Amen. He's able to deliver us from any enemy. I'm glad to be serving a living God today. We're not just coming together as Christians worshiping an historical God, a God of the past. But we're preaching about a God of the presence. A God that is here to deliver, to set free. Amen. To, to bring you out of bondage of sin and darkness, no matter how dark it is, to give you light in this time. Let's pray to, together today as we commit this service in the Lord's hand. Lord Jesus, we are here today gathered in your name. And how we love you and appreciate you for your goodness. Lord, how we look forward to this time so eagerly. Waiting, Lord, just to come into your presence. and Be able to come under the anointing and speak things concerning life and godliness. Thou knowest every need, Lord. You know every situation. You know every burden, Lord, that these people brought here today. Oh, God, whether it be a burden of sin, whether it be a burden of unbelief, whether it be a burden of sickness, Lord, whether it be a burden of lost souls, oh, God, thou knowest what their burden is. But we're we're here, Lord, to praise the mighty name of Jesus. And say that there is one to lift up our head that will give us power over the enemy. And that and we'll tread over every unclean thing and every serpent, every scorpion we'll put our feet upon. And nothing shall by no means harm us. We believe you, Lord. We believe you for that deliverance that we can have in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray your blessings upon us today. Let us come under the anointing of the Spirit. Lord, we've certainly heard enough from man in this, this day and through the ages. We just want the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Would you just come today, minister to hearts and lives, supply every need, we pray now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. If you'll turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 11, we'll look at the 11th verse. Amen. So good to have each one of you here this morning. and. Be in the service of the Lord together. Pray that you'll just uh, enter in with all your heart. And, and we have a number that are out today. And God bless them as they uh, enjoy a little time together there. And whatever they're doing, different ones, different places. Some in Israel, some in Florida, some in Oklahoma. Different other places that uh, they have been called to travel today. And, but um, they'll all be back. Amen. And, but right now we're here. So what I need you to do is uh, just to step right into the place of those that are missing. Amen. And put your, your part to help me even more today. Amen. God bless you. So when you hear me say, help me preach, you know what I mean, right? Amen. So that's what we're looking forward to. We want to greet those that are joining in with us today from around the world. And uh, in the week to come, as this will be posted and uh, those down up in South Africa, God bless you, Brother Kalen, the group there, and over into um, other places like um, in um, 
in India and different other places around the world. God knows who you are. Amen. And he, he is uh, here to speak to us today. And may the Holy Spirit speak. Amen. Deuteronomy 11, verse 11. But the land, whether you go to possess it, is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. I like that verse. It drinketh the water of the rain of heaven. A land which the Lord thy God careth for. Oh my. For the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it. From the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. And then over in Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 24. We'll read from there. Leviticus 20 verse 24. But I have said unto you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess it, a land that floweth with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which have separated you from other people. Notice God's word calls for separation, total separation from unbelief. Now in Numbers chapter 33 and verse 53, we're going to read. And um, this will be our last scripture before you're seated, but just a verse here. And ye shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein, for I have given you the land to possess it. Let's just read it one more time. And ye shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein, for I have given you the land to possess it. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to be speaking on this morning the battle for our inheritance. And if you notice, this is something where God has said, I have given you this land. But he also tells us that you're going to have to take it. That, um, that there is those that has to be dispossessed. And that you are going to have to possess it. Now, to possess in the, in the Hebrew, there means to seize and to dispossess, to take possession of, inherit, disinherit, occupy, and be an heir of. So here we are looking at what God has told us to do to this land. Now, the promised land is one that must be possessed. Now, I, I don't know any other promised land than the promised land of the Holy Ghost, which is the Word of God. Amen. And so we must seize it from the enemy. Every promise of the word of God has got to be seized or taken away from the enemy because he'll, he'll certainly try to take it from you. You must take possession of, occupy, inherit, proclaim yourself an heir of it. And, you know, saying that I am an heir of this land God has given it to me. Now, as I think back on this, we got some of our uh, sisters over in Israel right now that are there. God bless them if they're listening in today or maybe hear this at a later time. And they've been sending me pictures back and forth from the different places. Um, my wife and I have received a number of pictures from uh, the sisters that got to go. And uh, they're touring there with Brother George Smith in Israel right now. And um, so as 
But as, as they have just sent me different viewpoints of different places where they, they have been, it has reminded me of my journey there and also what I learned about Israel's fight for independence. And as you know that in 1948 that Israel became a nation. But they, uh, they were almost defeated not just by the outside enemy but by their own countrymen. Now that's hard to understand that Jews would fight Jews. But um, you see there were factions of Jews that had different ideas and um, different thoughts and different persuasions. And these factions had their own separate armies. Uh, some of them were nothing more than just um, uh, gangs. But they, they were factions that had their own agenda. And they operated with, with a petty jealousy. And not for <coughs> the common cause of a homeland for the Jews. They, and, and because of this petty jealousy, they wouldn't work together with the rest of the Israeli army. And this division almost caused the Jews to lose the whole country and their war for independence. Now that's amazing, isn't it? That your own countrymen would actually um, hinder you. But you know, Paul said this in the scripture. He said, I've been peril in peril among my own countrymen in peril among false brethren. You know, uh, it's perils in in every kind of way. These were, they were fighting the British at that time. They were fighting the Palestinians at that time, the the Arabs, and they were also fighting their own countrymen. And so Israel was, was surrounded in every way, and it is only the grace of God and divine intervention that allowed them to gain their independence and become a nation. Um, the, the Ergon and the Lehi independent army gangs would actually fight against and uh, even hamstring the efforts of Israel's real army. And Israel not only had to fight the enemies, but had enemies among their own countrymen. And the same is true in this end time battle. We have those warriors who are great leaders and can accomplish great things and assemble <laughs> their own gangs, as it were, and yet they're working for their own agenda rather than the kingdom of God. And, and of course, these become used as Satan to hamper the very work of God. And remember, Satan's tactics are to use the very word that was meant to bring you freedom. And this is what Satan did in heaven when sin, unbelief, had its roots From when an angel of God, an archangel right next to God started with jealousy and started to undermine the very work of the creator that made him. And, you know, again, this is how when he came to Eve, he would come using the very message of God. Now, note, I want you to understand, he would use the message of God saying, Yea, hath God said So he would actually use quotes to deceive Eve with. And he would take them and twist them and misuse them and misplace them and and change the direction that God had for them and the meaning that God had placed in them. He would come and twist the word using quotes from God himself. 
Now, notice he would use the word of God against the very word itself. You see, the serpent would take a quote and he twisted it under a demonic anointing. And remember, Satan's going to do the same thing in this last day to try to keep us from receiving our inheritance. Now, in the greatest battle ever fought, Brother Branham would say it this way. He said that Satan, their great, their chief captain, oh yeah, you know, some of the denominations try to get you to believe he's got a forked hoof, you know, and a split tail and all that stuff. Don't you believe it? He ain't that way. No, sir, brother, he's a slicker. Don't you believe he's got that? They do that just to scare you away. That's not the devil. The devil don't have a hoof to begin with. I doubt it very much. He's just a spirit, and the devil is a spirit. He doesn't have forked hooves and things like you try to picture him. No, no, but he's wise. Brother, he's a wise man, educated to the spot, always has been in worldly wisdom. And oh, yes, he's beautiful. Organized his army with worldly wisdom to brother don't you try to speak your words. You know, well, you better know what you're talking about when you meet one of these guys saying the days of miracles is past. No, he hasn't got split hooves. He's right out of the seminary. He's a polished, he's polished brother. I mean, he's smart. He's got a PhD, an LLD, a QS, QUST, whatever that is, and all the rest of it. And, th- and there, he's just as smart as he can be. Why, sure, he's a serpent, sneakiest of them all. Hair slicked down, brother, and I mean dressed, not a wrinkle in the coat. Smart, just as wise and shrewd as he can be. But don't you fool with him unless you know what you're talking about. But that's right. But we know his tactics. We know what he's trying to do to get us to believe God's word. And he hasn't got forked hooves. No, no, no. We, we, now we find out he hasn't got forked hooves, but he, then he must be something else. He's a slicker. He's wisdom, educated, organized. Brother, he's got his army also. Now remember, here again, Satan is coming with his own army. And his own army, he is using words of God to try to come against you and against the true bride of Christ. Now, of course, this is what he would tell us in spoken words of original seed. He said, like, look what Eve did. She received what did she do? She received the wrong seed. How did she do it? Believe in Satan's lie. How many says that's right? Why, well, sure, it's right. She received Satan's lie. What she bring forth by doing it? Satan said, you know, this is glorious. This is a wonderful thing. You know, you were made for that. You were actually made for this purpose. Oh, I was. Oh, and it's pleasant to the eye. It's good. You should. You should try it. But the Lord God said, not, not, not that yet. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no. But but you know, well, if we do, oh, you won't surely die. That slick-tongued devil, he hasn't got, he ain't got hooves and a forehead tail, no. That like that, that, they try to make you believe he's a slicker behind the pulpit. And then he goes on in the resurrection, and he said, now, I don't blame you people. It's the pulpits where it started. No wonder if that's the damnation of the country when Satan's got in the pulpit. That's right. It's the truth. He says, um, I'm failing to preach the unadulterated word of God. And the word of God will produce exactly what it said it would do. But we can explain it all the way. It's all the way. It's for some other day. 
Now, could you imagine somebody standing at the platform saying the baptism of the Holy Ghost, divine healing, and that's for another day? It's like trying to introduce a man that's freezing to death and paint a fire for him and say, that's a fine fire. That's what was. You can't warm by a painted fire. That was a fire one time, but what about fire now? Holy Ghost had power at Pentecost through the first age, second age, on down. But what about this age? He is the same Holy Ghost today. The same power, the same signs, the same wonders, the same miracles. If you can get the same kind of faith amongst the people, God doesn't change. But you see, what it was, it was Satan come along and he reinterpreted the word. You know, he wanted to bring an understanding that didn't fit with the rest of the scripture and the rest of what God said. You know, anybody can take a quote or scripture out of context and they do it all the time and they build denominations, they build uh, isms of man and they build, um, uh, you know, every kind of kingdom building is done by taking a quote or scripture or, uh, you know, something like that and trying to build on that rather than taking the whole word of God. And when we only take a part of the word, it spells death to us every time. Because man shall live, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's where real life is, is by every word that proceedeth from his mouth. So as he said in greatest battle, he said, oh, you'll not surely die. See how he quoted it around. Oh, we believe the days of miracles is past. We don't believe there's such a thing as people receiving the Holy Ghost like they did on Pentecost. And uh, oh, anyway, you're baptized. It doesn't make any difference. See, the devil see his tactics. Well, if the doctor told you he can't well, get well, then that settles it. You know, it doesn't settle it. Because there's another word and a greater word. And that word is God's word. Now, Satan would come to Jesus and tempt Jesus with the very word of God itself. You know, he would say to him, cast yourself down from the pinnacle of the temple. For he has given the angels charge over you to bear you up lest you dash a foot against the stone. Now remember, this is a scripture. And Satan used a scripture on Jesus to get him to disbelieve the Father's word and obey the devil. You can obey the devil by listening to the devil use the scripture. Are you with me? But Jesus said in Matthew 4, 7, he said it is written again. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now, I want you to see, um, you know, he, Satan used to quote out of the Psalms to try to get Jesus to fall with. Amen. Just one quote would have caused Jesus to obey the devil and die. But you see, it isn't, it's not that Satan isn't quoting the word. He is failing to line it up from Genesis to Revelation. Amen. He's failing to show you where it's written again. Amen. Or, on the, or in other words, um, which means when he says, again it is written. Let's put that scripture up, Matthew 4 and 7. You know, it is written again. Notice this. It is written again. See, Jesus not, didn't just take one scripture. He was comparing it with the rest of the word. So he would say it is written again. Amen. Or he, he, which means it is written in turn, in turn.
says. Or, you know, again, it is uh, also written. Or on the other hand, it says this. And when you don't do that, you lose the balance of the scripture and you wind up in death. You see, Satan wants, wants to give a misapplication of the scripture. And that's what every denomination is built upon is a misapplication of the scripture. Now, and the, the misapplication of the word then is no longer the word of God. It is the word of Satan. Did you hear me? Once that you twist it, once that you manipulate it, once that you change it, once you change the meaning of it, once you don't line it up from Genesis to Revelation, it's no longer the word of God, it's the word of Satan. Jesus would obey that word that was written in the Psalms that, that, the, that the devil pointed out to him and said, do this. He would have done it and died. He'd have fallen to his death. Are you with me? And so will we when, we when we do the same thing, when we neglect to look at the scripture and see it line up from Genesis to Revelation and see it line up through all the other things that are said. Amen. And comparing scripture with scripture. Are you with me? Now, I, I want you to remember that's the, the tactic of the devil is always to get you to disbelieve the word of God. Any way that he can do it, he'll cause you to disbelieve it. And it's unbelief when, when you start disbelieving God's word by, um, by twisting it, by manipulating it. It's the same thing. You are disbelieving God's word. And it'll never hit its mark. Amen. It, it'll never manifest what it's supposed to do because it'll take the very life out of it. It only brings death. Now, you know, at Gadara, um, and, and Sister um, Rachel Shaw sent me a picture of uh, them out on the Sea of Galilee. And from there, from the sea, you can see across way over the land of the Gadarenes. And you can see uh, um, some of the other cities uh, and ancient ruins that was there. And it gripped my heart when I was there on the Sea of Galilee. And I looked up there, and I'm saying, I'm seeing those very same mountains that, that God saw when he stood here in flesh. And man, I'm out here on these very same waters, using these eyes, looking at the very same mountains, same scenes that Jesus saw 2,000 years ago. And it just meant a lot to me as I looked there and could, could look and see, well, here's where he was in a meeting and he crosses across the Sea of Galilee, which... You know, today the world is very small. Even the, even the Sea of Galilee is very small. One thing, they've drawn it down, irrigating and so on, so it's not nearly as large as it was. But even, even then, you, you know, if you're in a power boat and you can go from one side to the other in just a short time, you know, um, then, then it's, not very, it's not very big. But when you're in a little bitty boat and the winds and the waves are contrary... And, and you, you're about to drown, I tell you what, it's a big sea. Are you with me? Amen. So, I mean, the, the perception is altogether different today than what it was back then. But nevertheless, you know, here he was ministering to a group of people. And he goes over to the gatherings, leaves, perhaps he has a vision or something. And he goes across the sea and he goes to minister to one man who had just breathed a prayer. 
And that prayer, no doubt, was, oh, God, help me. As he comes to himself for just one moment. And notice he crossed that sea going on the other side. And, and uh, you know, as he began to approach it and, and he, he comes into the willows of, of the reeds on the seashore and they get out of the boat and start up, here comes a man up out of the graveyard. Tombs. Look, that's where the devil made him hang out. Amen. Now, you know, that's a good thing. You see, tombs, that's a good hangout for the devil, isn't it? Amen. Around the dead place. That's, a, that's the way it is today, the same thing. He hangs around an old dead place. See, somebody that's dead in sin and trespasses, that don't believe in the power of the resurrection of the Lord, that's a good hangout for the devil. And Brother Branham would add to this, he said, and if you want to know truthfully, some of these old, cold, formal churches that has a form of godliness and denies the power thereof are real hangouts for the devil. And I'll just say, it it ain't just a nominational world we're talking to this morning. It's the same thing, old dead message churches where there ain't no life in it. There can hardly pry an amen out of them. There's no shout of the king in their mess. And there's never an atmosphere that is created to cause somebody to weep their way to Calvary. And they're just dead in their past religion. Are you with me? Hanging out around the tomb of memories of the past. But they don't know a present day God. And I'll tell you, it's a good place for the devil to hang out at. Amen. Oh, you know, where, where they are just preaching some kind of psychology or, or whether they mix in the ideas of man or try to pull in the, 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 the teachings, the thinkings of the ages past. It's a religious devil that comes down in the people today that, that will, some that are trying to make fun of the baptism of the Holy Ghost are speaking with tongues. By the way, that was just a quote I just read. Amen. And they'll make fun of it. They'll make fun of the moving of the Spirit and the shouting and rejoicing of the saints and speaking in tongues and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they'll tell you, we don't need that today. I'll tell you why they don't need it, because it ain't welcome where devils are. Where devils hang out. Amen. God wants us to have a place where his Spirit is welcome. Amen. We don't want to change this church into a tomb. We're just spirits of death. You know, evil spirits hang around. We want this to be a living, thriving church of Jesus Christ where the Spirit of God can move in the midst of his people. Amen. Where revelation comes, where healing comes, where deliverance comes. Are you with me? Amen. Well, you see, but today, not only do we have to fight against the unbelief, but you've got to fight against those who want to take their very quotes that was meant to liberate us and use it to hamstring our efforts to take possession, that when we're trying to take possession of our inheritance. Now, I want you to remember there's a crucifixion going on in this day. We had this age that was indicted, and many, even message preachers, are falling under that indictment. Because they have been indicted for what? Crucifying the word of God afresh and putting it to an open shame. Amen. And because 
as Brother Branham would say, his hardest spear points have been right from the pulpits where they have criticized and said, don't go out to hear that stuff. Oh, yeah, we hear it. They don't say it exactly like that. But we don't want our kids going down to youth camp because we don't want them to have an experience with God like that. You know, did they just believe the message? That's what, we don't want them to, to, to meet, meet a real living God. That's what really, they're really saying. Amen. Because don't go out to hear that stuff. That's all. That's a, the devil, you see. Right in the place that is supposed to love him. Yeah. Amen. And the very signs that Jesus said would take place. The word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. And the word is still a, dis- a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And it's called the devil. Where from? The pulpits, the holy places. Amen. Now you say, now, Brother Tim, we don't, we don't have that messianic gift and sign that was shown in this generation. And I say, yeah, I understand. It's one to a generation. But we still got the word. And the word is still the deserter of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Come on, church. Amen. But it'll be called the devil. Where? From the pulpit. Amen. The holy places. Oh, my. Brother Branham said, think of it. His hardest pierces come from the pulpit. That's where his new Calvary is at. They crucify him, the word, at the pulpit. That's right. How did they do it? By their forms of godliness. That's exactly right. Crowned from the audience by scoffers. He's got a new crown of thorns. Scoffers pierced from the pulpit. Crowned by the scoffers. Is he crucified again afresh? Stripped by or striped by man-made creeds and teachers of denomination against the word. They stripe it in shame and they condemn it. And Jesus said, in vain do they worship me. In vain. Don't do any good. Who do they worship? They worship the same God. They was worshiping the same God as his first crucifixion. And it was vain worship. And it's the same thing today. In vain they build these denominations. In vain they build these seminaries. In vain they have these creeds and teaching for doctrine. The commandments of man and denying the word of God. And they're guilty of crucifying the prince of life. Teaching man's doctrines for his word. In vain do they worship me. Stripped and striped and pierced and crowned. Oh my. Crowned with what? Thorns. Ridicule. Now the land of the Bible is our inheritance. Can you say amen to that? And in this land is the place where, the, where there's a baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's a place where the supernatural moves. It's a place of divine healing, the resurrection, and the rapture. In this land, the rivers of Jordan were rolled back. The widow's son came to life. Blind eyes were opened. The deaf heard and the dumb talked. In this land, the word is preached in power. And in this land, Satan's power is broken. In this land, the Holy Ghost still falls like it did on the day of Pentecost. For she drinketh water of the rain of heaven, a land that the Lord thy God careth for. Amen. For the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it. And you shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which has separated you from other people. Amen. Amen. 
and you shall dispossess the inheritance, the inhabitants of the land, and dwell therein, for I have given you the land to possess it. And just as the Jews have been gathered back to this land, and no other land will do, will you listen carefully? No other land will do. It must be this land. And so must the bride be in this land. The land of the Word of God, the Bible. Amen. In order for there to be a rapture, the Jews, the Jews to meet their Messiah must be in their land. And for us to meet our Messiah, and for there to be a rapture, we must be in our promised land. Where every promise of the Word of God is mine. Now, among the Jewish people, there were Jews that wanted a homeland. But they weren't convinced that the ancient land of Canaan should be it. You know, it was just too hard to conquer. It was surrounded by too many enemies. And there were better lands that were being offered. You don't know it, maybe, if you have never studied the history of it. But they, they offered the Jews the nation of Uganda the land of the Uganda as a possible homeland. Then they suggested the far east Russia was also was proposed to them. And then Tasmania was another place where where they were welcome and said, come here, build a homeland for the Jews here. So they were offered other places than the ancient homeland of Canaan. But you see, God determined to restore Israel back to its original inheritance. Not another inheritance. Amen. Not a different inheritance, but the original inheritance. Now, I hear them say today, but we don't want the land of Pentecost. But I'll tell you, that's the original inheritance. Amen. They said, we, we don't want that place. You know, we want a new place. We've got something different. So they're, they're looking at a, a Uganda, or they're looking over here in the Far East Russia, or they're looking over here in Tasmania, and we can have a homeland somewhere else. But love, let me tell you, our homeland is in the Word of God. It's in the promise of this Bible. It's an ancient homeland. It's a place where Elijah walked, Enoch walked, Amen. Abraham walked. Are you with me? It's a a land where Jesus walked. Peter, James, and John walked. And that is our land. Hallelujah. Amen. And if Peter, James, and John walked to Pentecost, we're going to inherit the same thing. Hallelujah. Whatever they had, we're going to have. Come on, church. Amen. Today, our spiritual homeland is the full word of God. And I just say, other countries are fine. And they offer their opportunities. But only the ancient homeland of Jesus, where Peter and Paul brought the gospel, is the land where we must settle down into our inheritance. That's the only land that we should possess. Denominational lands are fine. For what they are, you can build big buildings there, have great congregations there, lots of money and wealth there. Amen. It's all right, you know. You know, and we they're fine for what they are, and we're told to settle down there. That we don't need to go back to this land of Pentecost or to the upper room, but rather we can settle down into something easier. 
You know, it's just so easy to receive the Holy Ghost in, in this land. Well, you just believe and confess the message. You know, there's no, nobody, you don't have to die for this land. You know, to get Uganda, there's not going to be any wars. To get Tasmania, we just welcome you in. Far East Russia, well, we can just invite you all to put a homeland there and so on. And there won't be no fighting and there won't be no dying. And that's what is being offered today. It's easy to receive the Holy Ghost. It's so easy just to believe the message and confess it. There's no dying out to sin. No need to snot at an altar. There's no need for emotion. There's no sensation or feeling at all. Amen. You, you, just, you see, you won't have to fight for this. We'll just give it to you. And I'll just tell you, the devil and the world will give you that land. But they don't want you to have this land. Amen. Because in this land is where your identity is. In this land is where you cast out devils. In this land is where there's divine healing. In this land is where there's a rapture and a resurrection. Hallelujah. It don't happen outside of this land. It happens in this land. And I agree. That it's not hard to receive the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you again, it's not hard. God wants to give it to you more than you want to receive it. But what is hard is dying out to yourself in order to be born again. People want the Holy Ghost to save them from hell, but they don't want to die to sin and to unbelief. And sin and the enemy must be dispossessed. You cannot co-inhabit this land with evil. Get that? Today there's a problem. And we as a message community, our community of believers of the message, we're not exempt from the problems. Satan has done everything he can to keep us from coming back to the reality of the land where people are born in the land and the land where there is an upper room, where there is a Pentecost, where there is that born again experience of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Uh, that we don't just talk about the message, but rather the literal life of Jesus Christ is on display. <coughs> Are you with me? Oh, listen, Brother Branham would say in the question and answers um, 64, and listen to this. He said the church has fallen through justification, Martin Luther, sanctification, Wesley. But it, when it comes to the time of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they show their colors. They want nothing to do with it. Nazarene Pilgrim Holiness Church of God, all those that believe in sanctification, you can't lay a finger to it. It's the truth. But when it comes to a borderline, come right up to that spot to receive the Holy Ghost for the new birth. What the, what the devil do? He'll come around and try to twist it around. Oh, he'll do everything that's in his known power to keep the people out of there. And that's what the enemy is doing today. Everything of his known power to keep people out of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They brought around and say you have to speak with tongues or you have to have a sensation. You have to do this. You have to be born into it. And don't let no one tell you that sanctification, the Holy Ghost is the same thing, because it's not. Certainly it's not. 
Brother Branham would tell you about the, you know, how Abraham in the fourth seal believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness. But God gave him a sign of circumcision as, as a confirmation that he had accepted his faith. And that's the same thing we must do. We must wait on the Holy Spirit till it's done something. Not necessarily because we spoke in tongues, not because we have danced, not because we got emotional and we shouted, but until we're changed, until something actually happened. I don't care what form it comes in, he says, just so it happened. That's the main thing. Amen. So Satan, Satan, though, he doesn't mind church members. You see, but when they're born again, that's where his trouble starts. Are you with me? You see, because as Brother Brandon would say it, Satan don't care how religious you are or how right you are in your doctrine. If you miss that life, you won't come up anyhow. No matter how religious, how good, how many churches you belong to or will belong to, it doesn't matter one thing unless you have been born again. But today, look, look at the, the sin that is going on in the world. Look at the sin. Let me just stop this for a minute. You know, and, and, and Brother L was sharing with me some of the things that he come through in, in the Methodist church. And he said, you know, where, where, where they, in their pulpits, they had, they had homosexuals in the pulpit and, and, and tripping around, you know, prissing around like, uh, like females and so on like that. And, and, and see them in a restaurant, you know, when it's not Sunday in a restaurant with another guy with long fingernails and painted up and all kinds of things. And yet call themselves ministers of the gospel. The gospel is conversion. Amen. But let me just say, pot can't call kettle black. We have homosexuals in the pulpit and the pew. We have adulterers in the pulpit and the pew. There's been every kind of evil thing manifest itself and get right into the doors even of our churches. You know why? Because they bypass a new birth. And that's the reason why there's adulteries in the pulpit. It's because he ain't born again. Amen. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Now here's the ones that won't, won't inherit. He said, Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters. Are you with me now? Nor adulterers, nor effeminate, that's sissified, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, that's homosexuals, nor thieves, or covetous, Amen. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. <laughs> Get it, Clay? None of them will be in this kingdom. Not one. You're not going to find an adulterer there, a fornicator, a drunkard, a homosexual, an abuser of self with mankind, an effeminate. The Holy Ghost, when it comes, it'll make a man a man. Amen. And masculine and it'll make a woman feminine. It'll make each one find their places in the body. Amen. And they ain't going to choose their sex either. Amen. So you see, but I want you to get it. None of these, none of these 
will inherit the kingdom of God. But verse 11, and he says, and such were some of you. Hallelujah. We've all had our past. We've all, you know, we're sitting here and, and, and like brother, um, like our brother sang the other day at the piano, uh, brother Nathan Bryant, that old man is dead. He don't live anymore. Amen. You're a new creature in Christ. Amen. And such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Hallelujah. You now notice it's not just by justification of faith, you know, in the name of the Lord. Neither is it being just washed by sanctification, but also most importantly, and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. You must believe on the Lord. You must be washed of your sins and the old habits, but you also must receive the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. And and only that bursts you into the church of Jesus Christ. No, it's not by just justification and faith in his name, neither is it by being washed, by sanctification, but more importantly, by the spirit of our God. And those that do such things, though, are a part of this Babylon, and we are supposed to come out from among them. Remember, he said, I'll make you a separate people. Didn't we read that in the Bible? About this land, I'm going to make you a separate people. Look at Revelation 18, 18 and 12. And he, and he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Now that's a condition that we've been called out of. Come out from her. Be be separate, saith the Lord. I'm going to make a clean people out of you. I'm going to wash you. You're going to believe on my name, yes, and be justified by faith, and you're going to be sanctified and washed, but you're also going to be filled with my spirit. Are you with me? Now, the message is not easy believism. The kingdom of God requires violence, and the violent take it by force. You know, I, I understand what they mean. You know, today it's easy to get the Holy Ghost, yeah, but that's a Baptist, you know, Billy Graham, the messenger to Sodom's belief. That's not the message of the Son of Man that was preached through William Branham. No, sir, that's not our message. Our message isn't easy believism. It is easy to receive the Holy Ghost, but you got to die for it. Amen. You're going to get this land, but you're going to die for it. Amen. Amen. Now, so Brother Branham has asked the question himself. Dear Brother Branham, do you believe that signs should follow all that have the Holy Spirit? He said, what Jesus said, so Mark 16. If so, what about the people who believe the message with all that's in them and yet have not these signs? Are they unbelievers or do they need the Holy Spirit? Please instruct us. And he says, thank you. He said, friends, this is a little slack. I'd like to deal with it a little longer. See, it's slack. 
When you cannot receive the Holy Ghost without having an experience when it happens. Now, you say, I believe every speck of the word you say. You believe every speck of it. Then the word is laying in there waiting for the Holy Spirit to put it to work. But it takes the lighting of the candle. Here's the candle with the wick in it. And with all the tallow and everything has got to have in that candle. But until the fire comes on it, it won't shine any light. No matter how perfect the candle is and how perfect it'll burn and everything, it's got to be lit and then it'll burn. And when you believe and are made up of the instructions of what the Holy Spirit is, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, the fruits that bear it out until the Holy Spirit with a fiery experience comes down and lights that candle, then you haven't received the Holy Ghost yet. You see, you've got to have, you've got to have the experience to have the Holy Ghost. So now in this promised land, there is not easy believism. Instead, there is an upper room experience. Yeah, and I, I just want to say while we're here, you know, yeah, yeah we're, we're not your pattern. And we're, we're not wanting anybody to pattern after us. Louisiana is not to be your pattern. And Tennessee is not your pattern. And neither do we want to be your pattern. But there is a pattern that we ourselves want to fit. Amen. And Brother Branham was saying in the, in the message, pardon, Pentecost was our pattern. Amen. No one can say but what the church was inaugurated on the day of Pentecost. And the same spirit that came upon them on that day, every time without fail in the Bible, when the Holy Ghost came upon the people, they acted the same way. Amen. He would say in the church age, but what the church had at Pentecost is her inalienable right. Originally, she had the pure word of God. She had the power of God manifested in diverse signs and wonders and gifts of the Spirit. The message, look, he said, look what he's promised in the last day. Look what he's already done in these last days. He's poured out the Holy Ghost upon his people. He brought back the original Pentecost again and brought back the original baptism of the Holy Ghost, brought back the original water baptism, brought back everything back to its original. So notice, where have we returned? Now, you might have have followed somebody else and wound up in Tasmania. You might have followed somebody else and got in Far East Russia. Or you might be somewhere else and, and be over in Uganda, in the jungle somewhere wandering around. But if you follow this message, it's going to take you back to your land of your origin, back to the promised land of the Bible. Remember Malachi 4, the Elijah prophet, was to bring us back to this land, not another land. There's only one place provided by God for anything. He said now he promised there would be a restoring of the faith. We read over in Jude Jude that said, earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Now, listen, you wonder sometimes why I contend. This is why I'm contend. I'm told to. I'm told to battle through it. Take my sword to anybody, whether it be a Ergon or, or a Lehi or whatever he is, whether it be, call itself a fellow message believer or whatever, I'll take my sword to them. 
because you are not going to stop this bride from inheriting what God did in his works through Calvary and through the message of the hour. It was to restore us back to the original faith. And we're going to have that original faith. Amen. And I'm going to condemn for it. I'm going to fight for it. I've fought for it for 50 years. I'll keep fighting for it. Amen. And we're seeing the Holy Spirit move in our own church. We're going to see it move around the world because we're not just satisfied with seeing it in our little local assembly because the bride is a bride around the world. Amen. See, so now we're promising Malachi 4 by the same system he always did, and that system was a prophet that he, we would be restored back to the original faith. Oh, my, back to the original seed, back to the seed, like it began on the day of Pentecost, back to the same doctrine, word by word, power by power, spirit, the same thing, just exactly like it was back at the beginning through signs and wonders and the living presence of Jesus Christ. After 2,000 years, he's still alive. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many can testify that? Amen. What did he say in Malachi 4? He says, would restore, restore back the original Pentecostal faith back to the people with the same Pentecostal message, the same Pentecostal sign, the same Pentecostal evidence, the same God, the same power, the same teaching, everything exactly. Amen. With the vindication of the pillar of fire that struck Paul down on the road, down to Damascus among us today, doing the same things that he did on that day. Now, I want to ask you, where is this promise, restoration? It's not in a jungle in in Uganda. Neither is it in communistic Russia somewhere with rules and mandates and telling you what God you can worship. And it's not among a bunch of Tasmanian devils either. Hello. Amen. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not even dishing on those countries at all. I'm using this as a type here. Amen. The, Israel, the Jews were offered these places. And we're offered every other kind of place. You can settle down here, but don't go there. Amen. You see, but, but let me tell you, the promise restoration is the original word land of Pentecost. Amen. It is the land of the book of Acts. It is the land of the Holy Ghost. And in this land is where the spirit fell at Pentecost. It's a real place. And it's not an organization. People get confused, you know, when, when we talk about Pentecost we, and they confuse them with, with Azusa Street and their, and their organization. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the original life, the original seed, the original words. That's what we believe. Amen. He said, he said again, and Jehovah Jireh said, listen, friends, I know they say they, that Pentecost, they organize Pentecost. That's wrong. Pente- and, and, and I just, he, he says Pentecost is an experience. Let me just add this. And you just can't hope and imagine you got it. It's an experience. The Methodists get it. The Baptists get it. All of them get it. Pentecost is not organized. It's an experience. 
And if you hadn't had the experience of Pentecost, come receive it now. Remember, if you believe me to be his servant, his prophet, remember there is a genuine baptism of the Holy Ghost right in the midst of all the fanaticism. There is a still a genuine Holy Ghost birth, a genuine born of God. And he said, you come and believe it right now. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I'm glad it's available. But you know, a lot of times we want to take the Catholic route. You know, and, and you know, where you're, when you're born again by, uh, and you're part of the church just by being born into a Catholic family. So you're automatic a Catholic. So when you're born into a believing family, you're just automatically a believer. You see, that's the Catholic route. Amen. Because it's only when you're born in the family of God of a new birth by the baptism of the Holy Ghost that you're a believer. Now, so it is said now, we don't need today the Pentecostal experience. We get the Holy Ghost or we don't get the Holy Ghost like they did on the day of Pentecost. This, this is actually being taught from pulpits. Amen. And, and it's the denominational way of the evangelicals and the Catholics and it's a hybrid viewpoint. Let's take the, that, that evangelical route. You know, if you just profess to believe the message that Jesus saves and accepts him as a savior, well, you got the Holy Ghost right then. You see, that's the evangelical land. It's not the ancient homeland of the Bible. It's not what the Bible taught. William Branham didn't teach this easy believism. That's the message to Sodom. That's Lot's group. That's not Abraham's group. William Branham taught you, you must have an experience to have the Holy Ghost. And I'll tell you the reason why that many preachers won't preach it is because they themselves have never had the experience. The only thing to have is a head knowledge. And they don't know the power of the Holy Ghost and therefore they're powerless. And because we have many who have never been born of the word, they have brought their denominational viewpoints into the message and try to manipulate the quotes to fit their denominational view. And it's death. I don't seen it happen. I've been seeing the falling away. I've seen the carnage that it caused. I've seen what was made. Esteemed teachers who never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost out there today in their shorts and their beer drinking and their children are, are homosexuals and all kinds of sin in their lives. I've seen the carnage of, of that easy believism. I know what it'll produce. It produces death. It doesn't produce life. There's only one thing that'll produce life and that's coming back. And, and finding your place at an altar and repenting of your sin and dying out to sin and being born again by the Spirit of God. That's the only way. Are you with me now? When you hear these kind of things taught, I want you to recognize it's messengers of Satan in the pulpit. They may, call, they may be thought of as esteemed teachers, but they're messengers of Satan. Brother Branham was asked the question, Brother Branham, I've been baptized in Jesus' name. The word says you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Does this mean the baptism, the Holy Spirit, or does it mean I should receive a definite experience with the baptism? I'm anxious to be filled with the Spirit. And he said, now, the baptism with the Holy Spirit is a definite experience that a person must receive. Again, he is asked about children. 
He said, do your children have to have an experience to have the Holy Spirit? If they see the end time message, do they have the Holy Spirit? He said, everyone must have an experience. Your children cannot go in no other way but the same way you do. They've got to be born again. There's no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. They're all children. They must have it, must have an experience with God to go in just the same as you. Amen. You say, well, I believe on the Lord. You know, I believe the message to be the truth. Uh, you know, that's receiving the promise. It's like, it's like, it's been a, you know, it's like the deed to the land. You're given the Bible and said, every promise is yours. But you see, you must receive an abstract of title that every sin that is against you has been struck off. And that's exactly what this message did for us. It took the word of God and broke the seals on it, did an abstract search. It showed where all the liens that was against us down through the ages of the false doctrines and struck them all off so that we could have the pure word of God. And the same thing has to happen to you as an individual. You've got to come to God and say, I've got the title. I've got the promise. This is the map of it. He says this here. He said this is there. All of that. And all of that's good. You say, well, I believe it, Brother Jim. I believe it's for me. That's good. But you've got to receive an abstract. And that means that all the liens, the smoking, the drinking, the lying, the adulterous spirit, the fornication, all of that's got to be struck off. Or the devil will tell you, you have no right to this land. Now, anybody can make a claim. You see, but there's got to be a clearing of the deed. Now, but you know, we hear it said, oh, but we got the same Holy Ghost experience. And we received it and we didn't know it. We got it and we didn't even know it because it, it came without sensation and without feeling. And we just know that when we believe, we got it. And again, Satan's preachers will take a quote. They'll take one like this, the mystery of the baptism of the Holy Ghost without sensation, but the person of Christ performing in you the same works that he did. (coughs) So they'll come along, see, you get the Holy Ghost today and you don't even know it. Can you imagine that? You know, they say, well, it's without sensation and and sensation is a feeling or perception resulting from something that happened. And, and, and so, you know, we, 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 we receive the Holy Ghost without sensation. That's not what Brother Branham was talking about. He was not talking about you get the Holy Ghost and don't know it. And that there's no feeling to it. And no emotion that comes with it. That's not what he was talking about. The sensation that was talked about, he said they will sell out the word for sensation every time. If you can produce a manifestation like oil and blood and tongues and other signs, whether in the word or not, or whether properly interpreted from the word, the majority will fall for it. And that's what he was talking about. We don't have some oil some blood in the forehead. Amen. Somebody don't have to manufacture a tongue, get you down to the altar, and then shake your chin and make you repeat a word over and over again. Come on. Amen. We have the Holy Ghost without those kind of sensations. Amen. That's not, that's not the way we receive the Holy Ghost is by trying to have a sensation. 
Amen. But there is a sensation that'll come with it. Amen. I know it's true because the Bible said in John 14, 20, at that day, you shall know. Did anybody hear that? You shall know that I'm in my Father and you in me and I in you. Hallelujah. You shall know. Amen. Question answers. Brother Branham asked him a question about the Holy Ghost. He said, could you imagine a mother giving birth to a baby and not knowing it? She'd have to be unconscious not to know it. Neither can you receive the Holy Ghost without knowing it. There's something that takes place in you. There's something that changes you. Your whole system, your whole spiritual system is made new again. And you become a new creature in Christ. As the Bible puts it, a new creation in Christ. You know it. Hallelujah. Amen. But, you know, we hear them say, but, you know, this is not the day of Pentecost or the repeat of the return. We got something different. And, yeah, for once, I agree with you. You do have something different from Pentecost. Sure. You have the same thing, though, that most denominational churches have, the same old thing. Yet, yet false teachers scream out, we don't need the Pentecostal experience. You see, false teachers bring forth false births. Amen. And some false teachers will say, you don't need an Acts 2 and 4 experience. Just believe the message. Other false teachers will say, you must speak in tongues to have it. That's another false teacher. And both of these thoughts have some truth to it because you must believe. Amen. And the Holy Ghost will speak in tongues. Amen. So because it's a gift of the Holy Spirit, but it's not the Holy Ghost. And you can speak with tongues of men and angels and still lack the very fundamental nature of God, which is love of God for the things of God. You want to see whether you got the Holy Ghost or not? See what you love. Amen. If you love the Word of God, amen. I don't mean you say, I'm in love with my Bible. I mean that that you love that Word. You love His commandments. What God loves, you love. What God hates, you hate. Amen. Now, so you see, as it said, we we don't need the Pentecostal experience. And yet they're ashamed and embarrassed of a Pentecostal experience. I hear Brother Branham talking about one of the last things that he warned the church, his own church about, was about being ashamed. Preached a whole sermon just before he departs from the earth and leaves, uh, you know, uh, when death takes him. And and just before he does, and, and, and just months, one of the last sermons that he preaches at home, he preaches a message, ashamed. And he said, that's the way so called Christianity today. If you name it a name of denomination, all right. They accept the fatherhood of the denomination. You say, oh, we don't do that today. Oh, yeah, we have. We're Thunder. We're Perusia. We're New Dispensation. We're this. We're that. Amen. It's a fatherhood of a denomination. But when it comes to this accepting the fatherhood of the Word of God, Christ, no, they're embarrassed. They don't want to say, yes, I've spoke with tongues. Yes, I have seen visions. Can you imagine? We, we walk out of a meeting um, uh, up north from here and no reflecting on the pastor at all, but some woman walks up to, to Brother Ron and says to Brother Spencer, you mean you've seen a vision? Said, um, only Brother Branham could see a vision. Said, that's the only one that could do it. 
said, it ain't right that you can see a vision. He said, well, I'm just doing what the scripture said, that old, old men shall dream dreams, young men shall see visions. But you know, isn't it a pitiful thing that you get right in the message churches today and they don't even believe in visions no more? They don't want to say, yes, I spoke with tongues. Yes, I've seen visions. Yes, I believe in divine healing. Yes, I praise the Lord. Yes, I'm free from all organization. I'm not bowing down to any of that. I'm a servant of Christ. Oh, that would just tear them to pieces. But let me say this. A man who's been once come in the presence in contact with God, which is the Word, and the Word has been made plain and manifest in him, there's no shameless about it. You're not embarrassed. Don't embarrass me to say I believe every word of God. Doesn't embarrass me when the Lord says to say anything, you go and say it and do it. It don't embarrass me to say that I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. It don't embarrass me to say, yes, I've spoke with other tongues. It don't embarrass me to say, our Lord has showed me vision. It don't embarrass me to say, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Can we be a church that's not embarrassed? Can we be a people that's not ashamed? That we can say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation. Amen. Amen. Oh, my. My goodness. Brother Bradham would preach about our church age. And, and you'll find this in the Laodicean church age when he preached on the seven church ages. And our church age is Laodicea. He said, I like to see a real pedigreed Christian. Now, remember, this is our message. We, we've heard, we just heard Ephesus and Smyrna and all the way down, and now it's Laodicea. Now the Laodicea messenger is preaching his message. And he said, I like to see a real pedigree Christian. Not packing a letter, he's a Methodist last week, a Baptist this week, a Pentecostal this week, Pilgrim Holiness next week. He don't know who his pappy is or who his mammy is. But let me tell you, a man that is born of the Spirit of God can take you plumb back to the day of Pentecost. He can tell you he's pedigreed Pentecostal. Amen. I want to be Pentecost from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I don't mean denominational Pentecost. I mean the real power of the resurrected Christ, the real Pentecostal blessing. I just say, how many message preachers can stand there and read that quote? How many can say, I want to be a Pentecostal from the top of my head to the soles of my feet? How many can say and preach a sermon like Brother Branham did, why I am a holy roller? It's been so long since they've been a holy roller, they don't even know what it is. Amen. It ain't even in their history. It's not even in their pedigree because they've never been born again by the Holy Ghost. Because when the Holy Ghost comes, it'll identify you with Azusa. Not with Azusa Street, but with the day of Pentecost where the Holy Ghost falls. Amen. Just like it did in the upper room. Amen. This prophet identified himself with Pentecost, not Azusa Street. Brother Branham would say in spiritual amnesia, come on, wouldn't we identify where Brother Branham identified? Amen. We must be with the disciples at Pentecost identified with them. I was identified with Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost in Acts, the second chapter. I heard what he said. I believed what he said. I obeyed what he said. And now I'm identified in the same thing. 
I was with the 120 when they climbed to the upper room. See, yes, sir, I witnessed that rushing mighty wind coming from heaven. I spoke in tongues with the anointed on the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. I was there because I'm identified with him, glory to God. That's right. I preached with Peter in Acts 2. Oh, I preached with him there. Hallelujah. I heard him preach there. Amen. I heard him preach just like Peter did in Acts 2. Didn't you hear that? Amen. Over and over again. And he said, don't get spiritual amnesia because you will. You'll identify yourself with something else. Stay right with that word. We was with the church when it was commissioned by Jesus Christ. In Acts, it means Mark 16 chapter. Um, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I want to be identified there. All the world, every creature, these signs shall follow them that believe. Can be identified with that. Well, you, uh, now, are you identified that or you've got spiritual amnesia? That you find out you don't believe those signs follow them that believe. Oh, yeah. Here we come right down this last day. We talk about a restoration. Well, you know, with Pentecost, that restored the gifts. Well, then, where is word of knowledge? Where is speaking in tongues? Where is interpretation of tongues? Where is discernment of spirits? Where is prophecies? Where is gifts of healings? Where is gifts of faith? If you say they restored that and it was restored there, where is it then? You don't even want it, and yet you say it was restored. Amen. If it's restored, we got it. And it ain't just laying vacant on a shelf somewhere. Amen. It's in the body. Amen. And it's in the body for the purpose of delivering the people of God. Hallelujah. I know, I know that this works. Amen. I've seen prophecy work right from the pulpit. You have too. Amen. We've seen it work right in the pew. You have too. We've seen divine healing right in our midst. You have too. We've seen faith manifest. You have too. Come on. We have seen all of these things that has happened. It's because it's in the Word. Amen. But we have forgot. We forgot what we was restored to. We forgot what we have. So, yeah, it's a quote in 62 where Brother Brandon says, the Holy Ghost was sensation, without sensation. But they never, they never mentioned the rest of it. But the person of Jesus Christ manifested in you the very works that he did. Amen. So if you've received the Holy Ghost, where's the works? Where's the works? Where's the healing? Where's the miracles? Where's the things that's supposed to follow that believers? You, you, you're not even, come on, today, many of them are not even spiritual enough to even say an amen. So where is it? Amen. Now, but you know, right after this 62 quote, Brother Branham said, now remember I told you Satan to take one quote, and that's all he'll do. And he'll make it, he'll try to get Jesus to jump off the pinnacle of the temple on one quote. And that's what Satan is doing with this very quote, trying to get him on a pinnacle and jump off. Amen. Trying to trust in that. Amen. And, and trying to make a rapture. And they can't even believe in the supernatural anymore. Listen, you've got a prophet saying, if I can't even teach you to believe in divine healing, how am 
I going to get you to believe for a rapture? Amen. Now, Brother Branham said right after that in, in 63, he said they knew there had to be some experience accompany that coming of the Holy Ghost. He says again, and remembering the Lord right after that. Now, it isn't an emotion. It isn't keeping a lot of creed. It's an experience. It's a birth. First, you have to have an experience of death before you can witness a birth. So you've got to have an experience of a death and an experience of a life. Amen. Come on. We're going to be in this. If we're going to be in this, we're going to have to be willing to die. This is not just going to be handed to us like Tasmania or Uganda or somewhere. You're going to have to fight for this. You're going to have to be willing to die out to sin and unbelief. To your pride, to your ambitions, to your own ways. Amen. That's what it takes. It takes a death. Amen. Then you can then life will come. Well, of course, the Holy Ghost is not a sensation. Amen. It's a life. Amen. The Methodist said we shouted, we got it. We had it. They didn't. Nazarene said they lived holy, they had it. They didn't. Pentecostal said we speak in tongues, we got it, they didn't. As you see, it's God unfolding himself, not in sensations, no. Sensations, yet with it. You see the place? You see, it's not unfolding in a certain sensation, but sensations are yet with it. Amen. So the Holy Ghost is not a sensation. It is not an emotion, yet it is an experience that comes with both sensation and emotion. Amen. It's got a feeling to it said, you people here, he said, don't you rely upon some emotion, although it has emotion in it. Don't you rely on whether you're going to speak with tongues or not. Don't think nothing about it. God will take care of that. You ask for Christ, Jesus Christ, to come in your life and live through you. There's been a lot of people spoke in tongues and went out and lived like the devil. Amen. It ain't, it ain't his gift that he wants to give you. It's his life he wants to give you. Amen. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were, they were filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not tongues, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came as God's gift to humanity. His own life to come and live in you. That's God's gift. That is the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's not a gift from the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost himself coming to live in you. Amen. But why are we having this war? Because we have many who have never been born of the word. They simply just brought their denominational ideas into the message and then try to manipulate the quotes to fit their denominational view. You see, but they say, well, you see, it's a change of dispensation. So we don't need the Pentecostal experience. Now that thought is nothing new. Listen to me for a moment. This ain't nothing new. You see, you know... This is denominational view of, of most of your denominations today. We don't, we don't get the Holy Ghost like they did on the day of Pentecost. That is a Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic view. That's exactly what they say. We don't get the Holy Ghost like they did on the day of Pentecost. Amen. 
We get it when we believe the word and accept Jesus as our Savior. That's when we get the Holy Ghost. When we embrace his truth, then that's when we get the Holy Ghost. You see, that is someone has mixed the, the, the thoughts of men of ages past with the Bible, the word of God. And it is not the homeland that belongs to us as a believer. It's, it's where Tasmanian devils or can still run through the church and still live in the lives of people because they never get a new birth. They never get filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? They never get something that empowers them to live a Christian life. You know, some of us, sometimes you young people, you feel... The, the emotion of the meeting and the excitement, and that's good, and you respond to it, and that's good. But, for, but, but little brother, little sister, if you're still rebellious to your mom and dad after it's over with, if it didn't change your nature, if you're still fighting and arguing with your parents over even taking out the trash, over just simple obedience, it didn't do you much good to run up and down the aisle and circle the church screaming. I ain't trying to devalue what you got. But you know, we don't scream to get it. We get it and then we scream. You don't shout to get it. You get it and then you shout. But after the shout, you got a nature change. Your life is different. You aren't the same old person that you were. Amen. Now, now, of course, you know, you know, again, let me just say, because they want to say, we don't need the Pentecostal experience. And again, I say, that thought is nothing new. It's the same view of the denominational world today. That we don't get the Holy Ghost like they did on the day of Pentecost. We get it when we just... Say, Jesus is my Savior, and we pray this little prayer, and we believe the message of, <coughs> of Christ and embrace its truth. And so you see, it's the Word now, Brother Tim. And because it's the Word, we don't need that. Well, let's go and let's see what this prophet said the Word would produce. He said, you see, she's pregnant with something because she's bringing forth members all the time. Oh, Yeah. And he called them illegitimate cats. Won't be subject to the word. Amen. You know, won't do what's right. Mean, angry, won't forgive. Come on. Amen. You, you see, that's illegitimate cats. And that's members of a church. But if you get a member of Christ... Amen. You know, it's, it's going to be something different from that. It's going to be a people subject to the word. Somebody hear me? But she don't want none of them screaming, hollering, blabbering, Acts 238 miserable creatures that she thinks they are. It would certainly embarrass her. It would ruin her in her educated, ethical, scientific society church that she belonged to here. They would throw her out at the next council. She can't have it. So she don't want to be pregnant with the word because... That's the only kind that the word can bring forth. Say, so, well, we got it, brother. We, we didn't feel nothing. We didn't get nothing from the word. 
the word birth brings forth in Acts 2 through 8, blabbering, screaming, a child. Amen. Shouting, praising God. Amen. He said, if you're born of the second Adam, he said, you have the second Adam's way of acting like they did on the day of Pentecost. Amen. So it's true. You know, we, it is a changing of dispensation. You know, it is, a, but it's a going back to the original. Don't stay in that same old easy believism of the past dispensation. We've changed that dispensation. We've gone beyond that now. We went back to the original again. Amen. This is the truth. But when you take the change in dispensation, well, we're another age. We're another dispensation now. We, we don't have nothing like that now. Well, it's a truth that's being twisted by the serpent. Twisted by the same denominational view. And looking at it through a sealed book. And that, that it, because it's not open to them. You see, the Baptists have long said, we are in another dispensation. We're in a dispensation where there are no miracles. We're in a dispensation where God can heal, but, he won't, but if he wants to heal, if he wills to heal. But we don't know if it's his will to heal. And that's where they're stuck. You see, they're in a dispensation where there's no experience of Pentecost. You come shake hands with the preacher. You embrace a certain truth. You say a catechism. You see, it's a denominational hybrid of the message. And the land that they're living looks more like Tasmania or Uganda or Russia. But it don't look nothing like Canaan's land. Amen. Look in Canaan's land. Look at every place they ever received the Holy Ghost. Nobody got it and didn't know it. Every one of them had an experience with God. Whether it was in Acts 2 and 4, whether it was Acts chapter 3, or whether it was over in Acts chapter 10, or whether it was in Acts 19, every one of them had an experience with God. Something happened. The Holy Ghost came. Are you with me? Amen. And, and when you start that, down that line like that, and those kind of thinkings, you see, then the church starts feeling like, the organizations that calls themselves the Church of Christ, you know, days of miracles are past. And because we have that which is perfect. The perfect word has come now. And we have the perfect word of God. So you see, that's the Bible. So that which is in part is done away. Tongues and prophecies, they have ceased. And, and, and I've got to agree right here, jumping up and down like a kid and trying to speak with tongues is over. Amen. We don't have to manufacture anything anymore. Hallelujah. Did you hear what I said? We're not here to manufacture something. Amen. We're here for the reality of the Holy Ghost to be ours. Amen. Now, Brother Branham would say in standing in the gap, he said now, he said it's the end days that we're living in. Well, we come through justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Spirit, had signs and wonders and all different things, and the gifts have returned to the church, such as divine healing and prophecy and speaking with tongues and interpretation. And though it's been misinterpreted terrifically, but yet that don't take away. There's a, there's a good one. There's a real true, there's a true one of a real, genuine, a gift of speaking in tongues that is always supposed to be in the church. 
You see, but if you twist that, well, you know, tongues and cease and prophecies and cease. We've got the perfect word. Hey, that's the same message. That's nothing new. The Church of Christ had preached that. The Baptists had preached that. Presbyterians had preached that. They all preached. We don't need that anymore. We're beyond that. We got the Bible. We got the perfect word of God. So we don't need that anymore. Well, I don't know who we are. Because it ain't me. There's something about it. I need divine healing. I need the Holy Ghost. I need working of miracles. Hallelujah. I I need it where he comes down and speaks in in a heavenly language. I need it where the spirit of God's moving. I need it. You don't need it. Oh, it's not needed in Tasmania. It's not needed in Uganda. It's not needed over here. But it's needed here. We must have it. It's our land. It's Bible land. And in the Bible, that's the way it was. And if we return back to the Bible, we're going to have it. Every bit of it. Every promise of it. Amen. And I don't care how it's been misrepresented. I don't care how much they have impersonated. I don't care if we've had an Azusa that was a shuck that impersonated the grain. Amen. There is a real grain that will match the original word that was there on the day of Pentecost. And there is a church today that will be a perfect mouthpiece to Christ. Hallelujah. The change of dispensation. It is a change of dispensation. We're no longer the stock portion of the wheat plant, but back to seed grain again. It's harvest time. It's grain time, seed time. And we must match the seed, amen, that was originally planted on the day of Pentecost. It's a change of dispensation. Yes, it is, because the grafted denominational branches are cut off And God has brought a branch out of the root. Hallelujah. Remember his word, I will restore, saith the Lord. Amen. You know, the the palm worm, the canker worm, and the caterpillar ate it down to the root. Amen. But God promised just as Israel was restored. Amen. But I will restore the bride tree back to its original condition. In the last days, the, the, the root will put forth another branch. And when she does, and as she does, she writes another book of Acts. And let me just tell you, you're that church. We're not waiting on it to come. We're that church. This is the time. This is the hour of restoration. This is the day of it. Amen. You see, God isn't going to plant a new church, but he's going to bring his original planting back to the original seed. Amen. Now, you see, let me, just, let me just finish up on some of these things here. I won't get them all today, but listen. Now, don't cheat me of this. I have been three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, didn't leave the house until late last night. and Went over to Michael and Bethany's just for a little bit. But I've been just, uh, you know, just to the point, I hate to tell on her, my wife kind of got miffed at me because all I was just locked in, locked in. She'd come and say something. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, I heard. You said so-and-so. Go right back. Go right back. 
because it's just been a burden of the word on my heart. So don't cheat me of this moment. Don't cheat me of this moment. I've got to deliver some things. You see, it is said today that the Holy Ghost is only a temporal gift. And again, it's another one of those things that's twisted. It's taken out of context. And Satan's preachers preach it to take the power away from the word. And, and Brother Branham said himself, he said, when it comes to borderline right up to that spot, and I want you to understand, we have been brought to the spot. We've been brought right into the entrance of the new land by this message. Are you with me? Now, it brought us right here, and there's some that still want to stay across the other side of Jordan. They don't want to enter into the baptism of the Holy Ghost into the fullness of the promise. And let me just tell you, you see, religious spirits can live right to that spot. Look what Judas did. He preached. He cast out devils. He healed the sick. He, you know, he made professions of believing on Christ. He was the most trusted one of them. And he lived right there among them till he got to that spot. And he falls away. Are you with me? He falls away right at Pentecost. And there he, he goes and hangs himself. And that's what happens to people. People will come up to that spot and hang themselves. Are you with me now? But listen to this. They come right up to the spot, Brother Brandon said, right up to the spot to receive the Holy Ghost for the new birth. Then what the devil do? Come around and try to twist it around. Oh, he'll do everything that's in his known power to keep people out of there. Let me say it again. He'll do everything in his known power to keep you out of there. So he'll offer you other countries. But don't come into this land. Because in this land, the devil's defeated. In this land, you're more than a conqueror. Amen. In this land, you're standing with your sonship. Are you with me? In this land, this is our land. It's a Bible land. It's a Bible doctrine. It's a Bible truth. It's a Bible message. Amen. Now, so he'll do everything in his known power to keep you out of there. Listen, and even preachers, Jesus would say of them in that day, put the scripture up in Matthew 23, 13. But he says, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, actors, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. Oh, these men that should have been leading them into the kingdom of heaven. For you neither go in yourselves and neither suffer you or allow them that are entered to go in. So he said, you do both of them. He said, you, you won't go in yourself and you won't let nobody else go in. And, and I just want to say, you know, you don't have to remain a Pharisee. You can come in. Amen. You can be changed too. You can have a Pentecostal Holy Ghost experience. Amen. You can have reality. You can have the power of God. But don't stand there 
there as a Pharisee and shut up the, the kingdom of heaven against men and not go in yourself and let anybody else go in. It's for whosoever will. So, you know, they say, well, the Holy Ghost is only a temporal gift, so we don't need it. Really, what counts is the seed gene and the soul. Well, it is what counts. Things that are to be, Brother Branham would say, I got the baptism, the Holy Ghost. That still has nothing to do with it. That's just only a temporal gift for you. The real gift is your soul down in there. See, that was born of God that controls the whole thing to the word of God and the will of God. And there you grow up, see, then you're a son and daughter of God, you're a child of God. These things, as you come up like your mother, now you're in the bowels of the earth trying to come up, and you're a son of God coming forth, and you see the word says, I should do this, I should be born again. So he did tell us that. I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That still has nothing to do with it. It's just only a temporal gift for you. But if we would just stop, and understand what he, where he was talking about. And understand what he was in direct reference to. And this is what he was in direct reference to those who were cuckoo-birds. And, and he's talking about the rain is only temporal. It's what you really are in your soul. And he says if you love the world or the things of the world, the love of God is not in you. This is preference to that. You know, if you still have the love of the world and want to act like the world and do like the world, and yet you're in the church but a cucklebur in the patch with the wheat and shout with the rest of them and rejoice with the rest of them and all the spiritual blessings is right upon you. And you say, well, I prophesy. So did Caiaphasus. So did Balaam. That has nothing. He says, then he says, I got the baptism of the the Holy Spirit. That still has nothing to do with it. That's only a temporal gift for you. Amen. Now, don't let some false teacher twist that up. It's the devil and preachers twisting the word, trying to take it out of context. Sure, you must have the seed gene of, of God in your soul. That is the real gift. Amen. Your soul. But that seed must be quickened. It must be brought to life. Amen. In fact, the seed is predestinated to be quickened by the water. And the Holy Ghost is only a temporal gift if you're non-seed. If you're just, if you're just a, a non-seed, there's nothing there to bring to life. Are you with me? The Holy Ghost is essential. And it is necessary. And without it, the seed gene of God will never come to life. Is somebody with me? Amen. The soul can have a seed gene of God within it and still be a sinner. Amen. Listen, Brother Aaron, when you were a sinner and you were doing things wrong, there was still a seed gene of God by predestination in you. But one day, there come a quickening that made that come to life. And that's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you see, he could, go, he could still be going along 20 years, 30 years, till he's 90 years old and still hadn't received that quickening. But he's still a seed of God. Though he's in sin and doing wrong. Come on, the woman at the well did all kinds of things. Amen. The devil tried to cover her over with every kind 
greater sin that you can imagine. She, she had five husbands. The one she's living with was not her husband. She was an adulteress all the way down from a young girl. And Satan had covered her over with sin on sin on sin on sin on top of sin. And then religious sin. Where she was so religious, she had all these religious questions. Are you with me? Amen. But you see that same one in the beginning that said, let there be light. Hallelujah was standing there right there in front of her. And he was bringing light to a predestinated seed. And I don't care how much sin the devil had covered over. Amen. That day that light struck that seed, something had to come forth. So will it with you, amen. I don't care. There's a divine appointment for your life. Amen. amen. All right. You don't become a son at the altar because potentially you were always a son. But the seed within the soul must be quickened or germinated to life by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. As William Branham said it, the spirit, the spirit they don't want. The spirit that say, oh, we don't need it, it's only temporal. The spirit that they're rejecting. The spirit is nothing in the world, but the seed word made manifest or quickened. Hallelujah, made alive. Amen. Amen. Now, you see, if you are predestinated ones, let me believe you're predestinated. Amen. Then the predestinated ones are the first to be quickened by the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit comes to claim his own. Amen. Now, he said, this is deep now. Be sure to catch it. As the sun was sent forth across the earth, not to bring rocks, which is dirt also, to life. It was not to bring all the dirt to life, but it was to bring the part of dirt which was enclosed around the life. Notice this. You see, it wasn't to bring all the dirt to life. There, when the seeds lay in there, it's dirt. Okay, can you bring it down here? You're dust. You're just dirt. Louisiana dirt or Mississippi dirt or wherever you're from. You're dirt. Amen. But then there is a seed. Is that right? Amen. A seed gene of God. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Now, you see, not all men will receive Christ. Everybody won't do it, but those that are foreordained to life that is housed around the dirt of the earth, that's the one he come to quicken. Now that old dirt would lay there in the sun and would say, oh, this sun is so hot. And that rock would say, but that little seed would say, oh, but that's what I'm looking for. Amen. Uh, and it began to spring forth life. It quickened that part of the dirt because the sun was not sent to quicken the dirt or the rock, but it was quickened to, to, to quicken the life of the, of the seed. That's what it was sent for. Hallelujah. And he said, that's what the Holy Spirit comes for. Of course, he said, why won't all people receive it? It wasn't sent to them. A guy one time told me, I don't believe it. I don't care what you say. You can raise up the dead or anything and heal the sick and prove it anyway. I still don't believe it. I said, certainly not. You're an unbeliever. It don't mean a thing to you. It wasn't even sent to you. It was sent to those who will believe. The message is to the believer. 
To them that perish, it's foolishness. But to them that are in Christ, it's part of that seed, it's life. Hallelujah. You say, but it's only a temporal gift, Brother Tim. I, I, I don't know how temporary it is for you. But I know what's for me. It sealed me to the day of redemption. And I've never lost it. That don't sound very temporary. Ephesians 1.13 said, In whom you have also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Hallelujah. Do you understand? It's our earnest, which don't mean we're going to lose what we got, but it means we're going to get more of what we have. Hallelujah. So for you, it may be a temporal gift, and you shout and run, and you're not seed, and you go right back in the world. But for me, it quickened life on the inside of me. Hallelujah. It's not temporal for me. It's temporal for those like Balaam and Caiaphas and they prophesy and anointing leaves them. It's only temporary. It falls on the dirt and the rocks and it never changes them. But if it ever falls on an elect seed of God, life, hallelujah, starts coming forth and they never lose it. And more than that, I got something else. Amen. And they never lose it, and it will never, ever lose them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, son, there's a people here today, they don't just have a temporal gift that comes and goes. They have a possession of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, there are those who never come to full birth, but they go as far as conception of a belief. Our profession of faith, but they'll never be born of his breath. Well, you know, Brother Branham said a lot about the stillbirths. He said, we got too many stillborn babies. And he said, they're not bringing forth life. Amen. Now, I just want to go to something. Let me just skip us something. I had a preacher, fine man. And I won't even call him a, a devil's preacher. I'd say he's a great man. But he's been twisted up. And he told me, he says, you know, Brother Tim, we received the Holy Ghost like Mary did, without sensation. And I said, oh, well, I knew that quote already. That quote was from an Ohio teacher who was never filled with the Holy Ghost, now denies the message, drinks and wears shorts. His daughters are lesbians. Then he's raised some children just like that in his church and got a whole church full of them like that. So, you know, we receive the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine men sitting under there for years and years and years under that, you know, and, not, and, and, and following that thing blindly all them years? And today they're still in that same old rut. We want the Holy Ghost without sensation. Following that same thing, we receive it like Mary did without sensation. Well, Mary, just for your understanding, was not getting the Holy Ghost. She was getting pregnant. And that when she received the Holy Ghost, 
She got it like they did on the day of Pentecost. So I agree with you. We did it like Mary did. Amen. But it has a sensation with it. It has a feeling with it. It has a joy with it. It has a dynamic with it. It has a power with it. Now let me just tell you what your prophet said. If the Virgin Mary had to go up in the upper room and stay there till she was filled with the Holy Spirit in such a way till she staggered like a woman that was drunk under strong drink, how are you going to get in anything less than that? Yes, sir, brother, it's time for us to quit fooling with it and come right on, come on up and get right with God and get the power, the power of God get into our lives. That's the truth. He would say in time of this season, if God required Mary, the Blessed Virgin, read Acts 2, before Mary could enter into the kingdom, she had to go up in the upper room and she had to wait there like the rest of them did, not until some minister came, put her name on the book, or when there was some kind of communion given or someone shook her hand or wrote her a letter for her church as we do today. But there came from heaven a sound like a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting. And they went from those rooms speaking in other languages, so filled with the Holy Ghost until they were staggering like drunk people. The Bible said so. And if Mary had to go get that kind of religion to be in glory, you'll never get there anything short of it. Make up your mind. What are you going to do about it? Now, there was a woman in Grants Pass, Oregon. She was a Catholic girl. She came to Brother Brown, was wanting to interview him about the meetings. She had a pack of cigarettes in her hand, sitting there blowing smoke, you know, and said, I want to talk to you. And I said, well, what did you want to say? You know, sometimes, you know, you're so busy praying for the sick to let somebody just come and some smart aleck to make an interview and then go tell their false news, fake news, hello. So, you know, this Catholic girl was there and said, I want to talk to you. He said, well, what do you want to say? So I want to ask you some questions about this religion of yours. And she had made some statements, smarting off, you know. I'll tell you, you can't call, you call that the Holy Ghost? said, I don't want none of that kind of nonsense religion, them people screaming and shouting and going on like that. He said, well, you don't have to worry about it too much. So, well, what authority do you do that? Do this, he said, in the name of Jesus Christ by divine call. She went ahead and smartened off. I said, just a minute. She said, if I had to associate with that bunch of ignoramuses up there, I wouldn't even want to be a Christian. And they say that them people will rule the earth someday. He said, I hope I'm not here. And he said, don't worry, you won't be. You don't have anything to worry about that. She said, why all that carrying on and screaming? And he said, you claim to be a Catholic? Now, this is after the seals he's telling us. She says, I am. I said, Did you know the blessed Virgin Mary had to receive the Holy Ghost and speak with tongues and dance in the Spirit the same way they did before God would ever receive her? And you call her the mother of God. See, that's that's nonsense. And he opened his Bible and said, look here, let me read it to you right out of the Bible. And he said, I'm not supposed to look at the Bible. 
Then said, how are you going to know what's truth? She said, well, my, I take my church's word and said, this is God's word. Here it is right here. I challenge you to look at it. And he said, Mary was with them up there in the upper room and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost like the rest of them did. And you call her the mother of God and then call that bunch of trash and backwash. I said, don't worry. You won't be there. You won't have much to worry about. If that's all you got to worry about, you better worry about your own sinful soul, girl. And I let her go. And I'm just going to close as we come to that part this morning. I'm just going to say, hey, you know, when, when, don't come at me and say we get the Holy Ghost like Mary did and say it's without sensation. Amen. Because what she got came with a sensation. It made her shout. It made her speak in other tongues. It made her glorify God. It made her, amen, it made her dance around. Amen. It made her full of new wine. Amen. If we get the Holy Ghost like she did, it'll do the same thing. For it happened that way in Acts chapter 2. It happened that way in Acts chapter 10 and Acts 19. And everywhere they ever received the Holy Ghost, it all comes the same way. Hallelujah. The same way. Now here we come. Right here. To where the token comes where God is restoring the original baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we get right there. And Satan's doing everything he can to keep you out of there. Now I want you to bow your heads. Everything he can He'll do everything he can in a church service to keep you out of the realities of God. The Holy Ghost is something that's real. The Holy Ghost is the power of God and the salvation. The power of God, it's something that's true. It's something that's promised. It's in this land. Don't let the enemy try to take you and sell you short. Well, you can be in Tasmania, Uganda, anywhere else, but in this promised land. Don't let him sell you short and you just be a denominational Christian and never meet that life. Listen, this is a real devil we're up against. It's a real devil that'll make young people want to kill themselves. But they're so hurting so bad, they're cutting themselves with knives and trying to destroy and take their own life. This is a real devil we're up against. But I'll tell you what, there is a balm in Gilead. There's a healing. There's a healer in the midst. This is something that'll change lives, that'll make a new creature out of you. That you don't have to be the same that you always was, but you can be different. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. So what have I got to do, Brother Tim? Well, you got to start somewhere. And I will say, you have to start with believing. You have to start with accepting 
you got to accept the pardon. You got to start somewhere. Look, the disciples started somewhere. They first was called, and they walked with him, and they heard his teachings. And they got revelations. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it was even a revelation from God. But Peter still wasn't converted until the Holy Ghost came. The Holy Ghost was not yet given. And that may be the way it is for you this morning. Maybe it's not yet given to you. But you believed on the Lord, you started somewhere. And if you hadn't started there, you need to start there. You need to start right there. Say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me and make me pure. Cleanse me, Lord. I need you. Got to start somewhere. Maybe you started there a long time ago and fallen away. That's right. You're still in a very vulnerable position. The unclean spirit goes out of a man. He walks in dry places. He comes back with seven others. And the last day, the man is worse than the first. You've got to go on with God. You can't stop. You stopped along the journey somewhere. You remember Brother Branham talking about the evil spirit that come upon Nellie Sanders just because she stopped for a moment. He said, that's your problem. You stopped somewhere. He said, well, Brother Tim, what am I going to do? I started and stopped somewhere and some devil took me over and some evil spirit pulled me out of my home and caused me to do all kinds of things and I've been a wreck in my life. What am I going to do? You're going to start right back where you left him. That's where you're going to find him. You'll find him right where you left him. He's right there. He was there all the time. He's been waiting patiently for you to come home. To come right back to that spot. And it's when you come back to that spot again... And you accept the Lord. God is the Lord of your life. Jesus, Lord of your life. You tell that devil, I don't want you in my life no more. I don't want you ruling my life no more. Satan has got to leave. The moment you start willing to do the will of God, Satan has got to leave you. That's a great way to get him to leave you, but to keep him away from you. You got to have a good man of the house to come and move in, the blessed Holy Spirit. Or you might walk this way for 10 years and right back down the same sin again. Why don't you today start right there? Go back to where you left him. So I wandered away away from God. I'm a prodigal. Go back where you left him. 
Amen. He's not wanting just to bring you in and welcome you and make you a servant. Saying, all right, you've got to pay for everything you did. He's not wanting to make you a servant. He's wanting you to realize you're a son. He wants to put the robe of the Holy Ghost around you. Put his ring of authority upon your finger. And position you as a son of God. Or you can say, the life that I once lived in the flesh, I live now by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. While you have your heads bowed just for a moment, maybe there's, been, maybe there's somebody here the Lord's talking to. You stopped along the journey somewhere. You stopped along the journey. You didn't go all the way. Maybe you even got... Where you shouted or jumped or danced and the Holy Spirit came on you in a temporary way. The moment you went back into sin, it departed from you. But today, today, you want to find him where you left him. You're going to come back to that spot in your heart right now. (coughs) And say, Jesus... I must have you. Come on. You've been among the tombs long enough. You played with your demons. You tried to sleep with your demons. They won't let you sleep. They've tormented you. They've harmed you. They ain't never done anything good for you. They want to take your life and ruin it. They ruin your family, ruin your home, ruin your marriage. Ruin ruin you with friendships. Ruin you with relationships. Ruin you in every way that he can. Oh, he did that with the woman at the well. But today is the day of salvation. And today you can find him right where you left him. And yes, I'm speaking to you. You left him. You sold him for less than 30 pieces of silver. You took something of the world and ran with it. Maybe it was a new girlfriend or a new boyfriend. Maybe it was this. Maybe it was that. I don't know. But you sold out the very treasure of life for something. Maybe it was for your drugs or your alcohol or whatever it was. Today is a day. You can stop it. You don't have to keep that battle going on. You can stop it in its tracks right now. There is a gospel that will change a life. That will save the lost sinner. That will set them free to serve the living God. This promises to you to your children, to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If you can feel a little tug in your heart this morning, he's still calling you. And he said, he that hungers and thirsts for righteousness shall be filled. That's his promise. And his promise is to you, my friend. Why don't you reach out to him? Just reach out to him right now. Lift a hand to him right now and just say, Jesus, I need you. Don't pass me by. 
I need you. I want to find you. I've got a need for you in my life. Man, I want, I want a deliverance in my soul, Lord. Some of you here for healing for the body. But right now, what about the soul? What about the soul? Oh, you don't want just some temporal gift. Oh, it might make you feel good and you jump and shout a little bit and bounce right back down and out in the world again. That's not what we want. This will seal you to the day of your redemption. It's the power of God and the salvation. Amen. I know what it'll do. I know what it'll do. There's a little preacher's daughter that I know of. Preacher's evangelist. Gone away from home a lot. The devil got among his kids. His girl got out there in the world and sinned. The devil defiled her every way he could and she hated herself. She hated herself till she began to cut herself with knives. Trying to take her life. But one day God rich in mercy came down and changed her life. And filled her with the precious Holy Spirit. Some of you know who I'm talking about. Her name's Deborah. Deborah came to our service down at youth camp, and she was so scarred. You know, that's the awful thing about the devil. He'll talk you into do things and then destroy you, scar your life, wreck and ruin it. He'll do all kinds of things to ruin your life. And little sister Deborah. Cleansed from her sins, worshiping God. I just can't feel free to worship God. She wore long sleeves to hide the scars. Where did she cut herself with knives in her shameful past? But when she'd raise her hands to God, it would expose them scars. And she was so ashamed. She said, oh God. I don't care. I don't care what kind of scars I had. You've been so good to me. You've forgiven me of my sins. I'm going to raise my hands and worship you anyway. I don't care who sees my scars. And as she raised her hands to God, this is the truth. As she raised her hands to God and worshiped God, those scars disappeared from her arms. And she was totally healed. Of her scars. You too can be healed of your past. You can be healed of your sins. Your sins, which are many, can be washed away by the blood. You say, I'm so scarred by, by them. I'm so ashamed. I, I'm so ashamed. I'm so ashamed. I don't even want to sit in church. I, 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 don't, even, I don't even feel comfortable about coming. I, I'm so ashamed of my past. you can have a future there's nothing on your future there's not one mar on your future there's not one scar on your future and all your past can be washed away by the blood of the lamb oh yes 
I preach some things today. Maybe you didn't understand everything I preached about. Because I'm contending for faith. You may not understood, but maybe you understood that there is a Holy Ghost that will come and change your life and possess a temple and set you free. Would you like to be set free this morning? Then just reach out to God just like Deborah did and start giving this, this God your praise and just lift a hand to him and say, God, I give you my life. I'm ashamed of my past. I'm ashamed of my wrong. But wash me and make me clean. Though my sins be like scarlet, you they can be made white as snow. And though they are red like crimson, they can be white like wool. As far as the east is from the west, I'll, re- I'll remove your sin from you. That's him. That's him. That's what he wants to do in your life. Why don't you just reach out to him right now and just ask him to. Amen. Just ask him to. He'll do it. You know how I know he'll do it? Because he said he would. He said, he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And he said, that if we call on the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. Oh, if you call on his name this morning, he's there to save you. Why don't you just reach out to him and say, Jesus, don't pass me by. Don't leave me here, Lord, where I'm at. Change me in your presence. I need you, Lord. I need you. I've got to have you. I've got to have you in my life. I've got to be free. I've got to be free from sin. Listen, listen, I could pray all the prayers I could for you, but it's your prayer. It's you that's got to talk it over with him. It's an individual affair. It's not what I can do for you. It's like I told Brother Kenneth on Wednesday night. I can't heal you. Jesus already done it. I can't save you. Jesus has already done it. He don't have to do one more thing. He don't have to go to Calvary. He don't have to drip another drop of blood. It's all been shed for you, and you can be free this morning to serve the living God. Will you will just reach out to him? Just reach out to him right now. Jesus, we're your children, Lord. We just worship you. We just worship you from the depths of our heart now. And we thank you, Lord, for the message we heard today. That we have returned to land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land where our children can be raised with happiness and peace. It's a land where there's no suffering and sorrow, pain or death or dying. Lord, it's a land of promise. It's a land where we're going to go from here to a rapture. Will you bless your people today in your presence? As they reach to you, Lord, will you just minister to them now? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just worship the Lord together. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Amen. Amen. I need thee. Oh, if you need him, just stand up in your seat somewhere, wherever you are, and lift your hand to him. Say, Lord, I need you. Every hour. Right now. Amen. The devil do everything he can to keep you out. But the Holy Spirit is doing everything he can. The angels of God are present. Doing everything they can to bring you right to the tree of life. Invite him to come right now. Amen.
Sing it to him again. I need thee. I need thee. Oh, oh just worship him in this presence right now. Hey, I need Oh, yes. Oh, so bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Sing it again to him right now. I need thee. I need thee. Oh, I need Every hour. Every hour. No, you don't have to come to this altar, but you got to make an altar somewhere. Make an altar in your heart or wherever this morning. Say, I come, Lord. I come. I come to Thee. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Thank you, Jesus. You say, well, Brother Tim, I'm a believer. You know, what, what, what do I need to do? Well, I'll tell you what you need. Abraham was told to take a sacrifice, and he was to cut it into pieces. He was to lay it before the Lord. And he said, all evening, he stood there, keeping the fowls away, keeping the vultures, and the Andy the raptors and the other beasts away and the wolves and everything else from getting the meat of the sacrifice. That's what every believer ought to be doing this morning. Amen. As we take and lay the sacrifice and we lay it out and there we're seeing it every piece, laying it in order, one scripture after another scripture. We need believers like you keeping the vultures back. Keeping the unbelief back. Amen. Keeping every evil spirit back so that we can have victory. Amen. Don't you want victory in your life today? There's victory in Jesus. I need the oh, That's you. I need you. Amen. Yeah. 